these are big issues of family and tribe. And, and I, I don't know all the answers, but I have a lot of smart relatives. That's how I feel. I feel like I have a lot of really smart relatives. You guys, that was the voice of A.J. Jacobs in the TED Talk that he gave in 2014 when he was promoting something called the Global Family Reunion. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 70 of Exactly Enough Time. podcast is about being present. It is also about playful creativity and other things like curiosity, happy colors, and connection. I am a storyteller and I love to interview interesting people and talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. So I had the good fortune of being in the audience at the 2016 Roots Tech Conference when A.J. Jacobs reported on the Global Family Reunion. What I remember from his presentation is that every single person in this huge auditorium under their chair or on their chair, there was a piece of paper and on the paper was printed, I am a cousin. And he just gave this dynamic presentation about the fact that we truly are all related. And many of you, as stated in the introduction, are much smarter than I am. My guest today is much smarter than I am. And the name of her blog is, Are You My Cousin? But before I introduce her properly, you guys, I am now in the 70s. Yes, that's amazing. If if you've been with me since the beginning, you might, 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 might remember that as I introduced episode number seven, I said that it was actually episode 77, but I did that because I was like, couldn't even imagine that someday I might have that many podcast episodes. And now I'm producing episode 70. So this is what I want to do for the real episode 77. Are you ready? I want to do a Q&A. I want to just spend the, the podcast episode answering questions. Please don't assume I have all the answers, <laughs> but I want to hear from you. And I definitely want to share some of my ideas and opinions and solutions in response to your questions. So we have some time, I have a few weeks, but I want you to be thinking about a question or a topic or something you'd like me to speak to, and then I'd like you to send me those. And at the end of today's episode, I will tell you how you can do that. Okay, you guys, my guest, Lisa Listen, is a professional genealogist. She really, truly can help you find your cousins. She can help you build your own personal family tree. Her specialty is taking the overwhelm out of genealogy research. I think that sounds really appealing. Okay, she has 12 years of experience. She loves to help people build their own personal research plan, make sure it's a solid one. 
then she helps people find the right genealogical records and get the most out of all the resources that are available. And that that can feel super overwhelming. When Lisa's not working with clients or writing genealogy articles, she can be found pursuing her passion, which I'm not going to reveal yet because she talks about it at the end. But she loves to travel with her husband and enjoy time with her two adult children. I really am very happy to have Lisa on the show today. I know you're going to learn something. Here we go. You guys, I am super excited, thrilled even, um, to bring you this conversation with Lisa Listen. Okay, Lisa, I should have asked how to say your last name. Is it Listen? It is Listen, correct. Okay, that's the coolest. Do you know what that means? People listening today are listeners. I didn't even know I was going to say that joke. <laughs> I, gave, I gave Lisa zero heads up about that, but what a great name, Lisa Listen. So anyway, here's the deal, <clears throat> and I've already introduced you a little bit, but I am excited to have you on my podcast because you are an expert genealogist, and I am now going to be vulnerable and honest with everyone and say that as much as I love what I do. I love stories. I love my family. I love everything I can dig up about all of it. If it's connected to my family tree, I'm all in. But here's what I don't do. I don't refer to myself as a genealogist. So I want you to start today in, in your opinion, what's the difference between a genealogist and someone who loves family history or a family historian? And I think that's a, a good, a great question because a lot of people have that question. And I would really consider myself both a family historian and a genealogist. And okay. some people use those interchangeably and to them it's the same regardless. I do think that a family historian tends to focus more on the stories and the connections, whereas a, genealog a genealogist or a genealogy researcher, I think most people tend to think of getting into the to the records, I mean, deep into the records and the weeds yeah. and spending all the time in the basements of the courthouses and things like that. Um, yeah. But to be honest, I don't think there's a, a tremendous difference as far as from my personal opinion and, and what I do, because I tend to really marry the two together. I, I definitely go after the records. I definitely get deep into them, but without the stories behind them uh -huh. that, and behind those ancestors, I feel like my research is very dry. Okay. So, it's kind of a, together. it's a timeline, but it maybe isn't a whole, a whole lot of anything. Yeah. Like you said, that you can connect to that maybe mm -hmm. you can relate to or understand. Right. So, and I know for sure in many of the stories I found now, I have one side of my family that honestly, the research, there's a lot of it that has been done, but the other side of my family, not so much. So I am currently going through scrapbooks that my father-in-law has given me and holy cow, newspaper articles, all of these, these, you know, stories information. And there's a ton of data, I guess. What's it called? Research. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how to get started. So here's the real reason that I invited you to come on my podcast. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I interviewed my good friend, Wendy Smedley. We go back way, way many, many years. Um, and she currently works at Family Search. She does their social media for them and many other things. But um, after I did the interview with Wendy, I had quite a bit of feedback. And it's so funny because it's exactly how I feel. They said, how do I get started? So how do you get started? If you are someone who loves family stories, can you help me bridge the gap between where I believe I am and kind of where I want to go, which is more into that realm of research? Oh, absolutely. And you have started... <laughs> 
Yeah, it is a big question, but you're absolutely at the right point. And you talked about the family scrapbooks, uh-huh. because the first thing to do when you are interested in finding the, the genealogy and making the connection generation to generation with that is to go to your home records. And when I talk about home records, we're talking about these things like the scrapbooks, okay. the family Bibles, any little notes that have been written down somewhere, talking to your family, oral history. Okay interviewing family members, because there's a lot of information that can be found within your family and with, uh, or, you know, potentially your, your cousins, your, your parents, siblings that can be very beneficial to your research and get you moving. You don't necessarily have to go to the basement of the courthouse the very first day out. Okay. So I always tell people, don't miss what you've got, as you said, you're going through that scrapbook and you found all this, the stories, but you were found, you were finding the genealogical information. Yeah. You were finding birth dates and death dates and marriage dates, I'm sure. And yeah. And, and then what am I doing with the, them? Am I filling out <clears throat> a, a chart, like a pedigree chart? Am I putting it online right away? Am I trying to verify it? Abs- when do I verify it? If it's in a letter, when do I, I mean, do I just assume that that's correct? Oh, we never assume anything. <laughs> Never assuming. Okay. So absolutely, you 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 want to start putting it into a chart form, and there are a couple ways you can do that. You can certainly buy software like a family tree maker type software, oh. Roots Magic software that you can fill out, and they are fantastic software. Okay, software out there for that. You can also go right into Family Search. Okay, and Family Search is, is is a free website to use, and you can create your tree there, or you can create it on a, there are other subscription databases such as ancestry.com. I think that so many people know about yeah. that. You can create your family tree there and enter your information there. Right. Um, when you, when you're finding the things you're saying, should I assume this is right? Because they mentioned this, the marriage date in a letter. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to go and then try to find that marriage record. Um, we typically like to go after the the first three, which are the birth, marriage and death records if possible um, because they have so much information on there and can typically get you another generation or two back. Okay. So slow, slow right there, because this is, I'm beginner and I know a lot of my listeners are beginners. So I just want to restate that. So what did you call them? Like the top three or the big three? I I call them kind of the top three three. or or my big three priorities. Okay. After I've kind of found what I had at home would be the birth certificates, marriage certificates and death certificates. And then you said something super interesting. You said, because when I find them and you're, so then you're not just looking for a date because when you find those Mm -hmm. records, what else did you say you find? Then, then you go, it will automatically take you back a generation. And how is that true? Absolutely. Because for instance, on a birth record, if you find the birth record for your grandmother Uh or a birth certificate, it will ask who the parents are, of course. And so you'll have the next generation back with that. So you can find not just the dates, which you are absolutely looking for, so you can fill that in on your your family tree, uh-huh. but you're also looking to see if there's another generation or if you can find a clue to another generation on those records. And am I just going to Google and saying, name of grandma? <laughs> you know, where where am I going to actually look for these um, these documents? You're going to find most things like that. You're going to typically find at a county courthouse. Okay. So there's where the courthouse um, a lot comes of, in. Yeah. The courthouse, you'll come in there. So you'll, you'll typically find that more and more things are coming online. Now, when it comes to finding birth certificates and things like that, I will tell you that there's a lot of privacy laws that are getting tighter and tighter oh. 
these days. So sometimes that's harder. There's a harder to get copies of. Oh. Um, but the further back you go, the older they are, the easier it is to, to get. get. And when you when say get them, that, let's say, okay, now I, and, and I'm assuming you can look through courthouse records online or no, do you actually have to go to a courthouse? I would say yes and no okay. on that. The reason I say that, so if you're looking for a vital record, so it might be at the courthouse, it could be at like the register of deeds, the county court offices. Uh-huh. Um, so, and so you can actually order those online. Okay. Typically you just at that particular, through the state database, or you can go into the county okay. that, um, and order them typically online if they're available okay. and they'll let you do that. Um, and when you say order them online, so then when I order it and I'm able to find a document that I'm looking for, am I <clears throat> actually seeing an image most of the time and then I can download it or am I, you know, when I find it, what am I actually doing with it? Then, you know, I'm obviously going to mine it the- for this information, but. Mm-hmm. They will typically either just send you a copy. Okay. And typically I will tell you that when you're searching for those types of records, as genealogy researchers, we do not typically need what is called a certified copy. Oh. Just a regular copy oh, okay. is fine. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot less expensive to do it that way. Okay. So you don't. So just a regular copy. And they will either email it to you or they will um, mail you a paper copy of it. Okay. Once I have a copy of it, then I will, um, if I need to, I might scan it into my computer and then I just attach that. I will upload that image into my family tree. Okay whether it's online or on my software. Either your software or online. And I know from the one side of my family that's very well documented that, and this may be true, I think I think for a lot of people when they maybe first access an ancestry or a family search, and even, um, I'm trying to think the other one, is it, oh, 23andMe. I think that's the mm-hmm. kit, you know, that you use to, to sort of better understand your chromosomes, right? Or your, your DNA mm-hmm. history. Um Right. They're one of the DNA test kits. That's just an app. And I'm having people, you know, all the time they send me emails and say, Hey, here's a list of your second and third cousins. Um, but anyway, my whole point was, <laughs> I know from the the one side of my family that's very well documented, um, that those records are sometimes available already. Like if you go and set up an account and put in what do you, I think you just put in like your grandparents' names, right? Then those, mm-hmm. those websites are going to show you so much that might already have been found. Isn't that true? Most of the time. Yes. So what they might do, so if you put in that, put in your information, it might show you trees and links that other people have researched and put into their trees as well. Yeah. And then you're able to connect with them or, yeah. Okay. Right. I will just say as a caution, you have to be careful that just because somebody else has done the tree Uh does not mean that it is always correct. So you need to be careful and make sure um, before you, before you accept all of that information that they've done 100 percent correct yeah. mm-hmm. but they might but there might actually be already a marriage certificate or a birth certificate available for oh someone yes yes i see where you're going yeah. yes yes they may have a copy and say yes i have a copy and, and be glad to share it and here it you. is and yes. then that verifies your whatever information mm-hmm. you're seeking or you've already compiled right okay super cool so Next question, and maybe I've already gone, maybe I've already gone through this because I have so many questions. You've got someone who has some home. You called it home, um, home records, um, home and they want and they want to get started. Like, what? Give me like the top three things. Like, just walk me through a process. Someone who's brand new to this doesn't really know how to get started, but get started, but does have these home records. Stacy's going to try not to interrupt you and just walk me through. I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. Does that make sense? 
Yes, sure. So the, the very first thing that I'll do is I actually go to family members and I will ask them who, you know, if you don't know, who were the grandparents, who were, where were they born? What do you know? What stories can you tell me? Who, who were the great grandparents? And I'll ask them to give me as much information as far back as they can. And it doesn't matter if it's all a hundred percent correct or not. Oh, okay. If they say, well, I think that they were born around 1895. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. That's a clue for me I, I, that I can use then to find other records later on. So I'm always looking, I want to know what the family already knows okay. so that I can um, get started and I don't lose valuable information that I wouldn't necessarily get from, I couldn't find in a record. So for instance, I, in my very beginning, and I did talk to my family, uh-huh. but apparently I didn't ask the right questions oh. because I researched and I researched, I got all, you know, did all the right things, got into the records. And finally, after months of searching, discovered that the name of Howard, the surname Howard uh-huh. was actually Harwood. Oh, and I'm so excited. And I shared that with my family and they went, we didn't tell you that. <laughs> I'm like, no, you didn't tell me that. So talking with your family and getting as much, many of the stories as you can is important to do okay. because those older generations will pass away. So once I've done that, and a lot of times at the same time, I am gathering the birth, marriage, and death certificates, as many of those as I can find that I'm looking for as I build that tree out. Okay. And then the next thing that I typically will do would be go into those databases online for things like the census record. Mm. The census records are fabulous because they will take you back every 10 years. You can track your family. Mm-hmm. And so from 1790, um, or I should say 1940, all the way back to 1790, you can track generation by generation. Wow. So that's, uh, I make that sound very simple. Sometimes it's not as simple to find them as, as that, but that's where I'm going to start. And, um, see if I can find the next generation back. So if I can find my mother in her parents' household, and then can I find my grandmother in her parents' household Right, and keep working my way back. And how do you find census records? I'm already interrupting. These are quite easy. Oh, that's right. These are actually really quite easy to find. So Family Search has them online for free. Okay. And then all of the subscription databases have them um, as well. So fi- um, find my past, my heritage, ancestry.com, they all have them as well. Okay. So it's really as simple as you go into the census search and as long as you have a name, what what do you need? You must have an, an, a name Typically and a, a year. name. I mean, you're looking for a name. And if you, you know, know an approximate birth date or birth year, and it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be specific. It can be an approximate time period. Okay. And just I like always like to tell people, just be aware when you're in the census record, particularly, but really any record, sometimes the names or the spellings are going to vary and don't let that throw you. Sure. If everything else is the same, then it's the same person. But those names, sometimes the transcriptions can be a little off. Face it, census takers didn't have, their handwriting wasn't any better than our handwriting. Right. So it may look different. Well, and, and maybe so, so that's how you're like a Howard versus a Harwood, you know, that mm-hmm. that's kind of the subtle differences that aren't so subtle right. when you need to verify something. So, right. Or, you know, my, my maiden name was Talbot and there are two T's on the end of it. Well, sometimes it only had one T. Okay. It really didn't matter in the, in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Okay. Now give us the third thing. Sorry. I kind of got you off track a little bit. <clears throat> 
Okay, so once I've gotten through that, then I start getting a little bit deeper into the records and I'm going to look for, um, I like to go after wills okay. and estate records. So um, maybe I usually start with a following a mail line because as a beginner, that's a little easier because the surname stays the same right. as opposed to the female, you know, getting married and name changes. Right. So I like to start with, stay with that same surname and then I'll start researching wills if there's a will out there for specific ancestors if there's an estate record because there's a lot of genealogical information there they can name children they can name neighbors they can you can find all kinds of things yeah. in those records and they're quite fascinating and those can be found again at the big database genealogy databases like family search findmypassancestry.com, okay. my heritage. But you can also find those at the local courthouse as well. As well. Okay. So you hear now, now this is not something you just do for yourself. You are a genealogical researcher. So you do this for other people. And I'm thinking yes. there might be listeners who are like, I just want to have someone do this for me. What does that look like? How does someone approach you or another researcher? And at what point would they approach you? Talk to me about that. What's that process look like? Sure. Some people want somebody just to do the whole thing. And that's certainly um, a way to go. And other researchers want to do a little bit on their own. And they really want more of a coaching okay. type of of relationship. So they're interested in learning how to do it. And I, I work with folks to do that as well, where I might get them started or we'll sit together and go over a plan and I can help them tell them you know, what they need to look for in certain records. Or, and we'll work at it that way. And then others simply want me to, they might live on the West Coast, yeah. but their ancestors are back here on the East Coast. Okay. And so they need, they'll need me to research the North Carolina archives because I can physically get to the archives. Oh, so you will actually, yeah, physically go and do mm -hmm. the, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. There are a lot of records that are not online. Yeah. And so they're, they're in archives and county courthouses and things like that. And so sometimes if you do not live where your ancestors lived, mm -hmm. finding those records is really tough because you, you need to physically have somebody go get go them. there. Well, and it's interesting. I, mm -hmm. my husband's father loves genealogy and like, he's literally taken trips to, you know, what we would say across the pond, right? I mean, he's gone mm -hmm. to England and Scandinavia and various places, not only to, I mean, to look for these records, to, you know, to locate them, to document them, but also then to, and you've already talked about this, but kind of to fill in the gaps then and try to just experience um, more of the history that's available when you're, when you're there, you know, you're visiting a parish church, right? Or, right. Um, you know, a little village or something or going to, I guess sometimes they have historical centers or societies or I'm probably not saying the right words, right? But he comes back with a wealth of information. You're right. So. You're right. Mm -hmm. The historical societies, genealogical societies. And um, and um, that's kind of my dream is to do what he has done yeah. is to get across the pond and, and be able to take those types of research tours and just to be able to be where my ancestors were and see yeah. what they were seeing. I think there's that, that sense of connection there that would be just a really um, incredible experience yeah. to have. Oh, for sure. I actually just a couple years ago, um, and you know, not so far back, but you know, into the middle 1800s, um, one of the little homes that one of my ancestors built has actually been preserved. It's been moved, you know, and it's, it's, so it's in a different little town, 
Um, but because it's so well preserved, I mean, and I thought, well, this is going to be cool. Come on, kids, let's go see this house, you know. And we got to this, it was, it's in Franklin, Idaho. Anyway, we, you know, we went to the little museum and then I said, well, you know, my ancestor is so-and-so. And they said, oh, well, you get to go inside. And I was like, okay, cool. Come on, kids. This is going to be great. You know? And she opened the door and we walked in and I can't even quite articulate. Um, gosh, I'm going to get all weird. <laughs> I'm going to get all teary. <laughs> there was a physical um, sensation. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, mm -hmm. there was something that very, I was like, oh, I, it, I can't even describe what it felt like to be in that little home and know that my ancestors had built it. And the furniture that I was looking at had been built by my ancestor. And there were a few other little pieces and it was overwhelming. So, you know, I can imagine having that, ex well, I've had that experience, but now, you know, having it, you know, multiple times or, or going out, you know, mm -hmm. with the intent of, of creating that experience for you or family members would be, you know, would be amazing. So I know from, um, you know, I introduced you and, and I know that you have a blog um, or a website mm -hmm. that's called Are You My Cousin? Talk to me about Correct. that just because that's such a fun, you know, I, I mean, I guess on some level we're all related at some point. Um, tell me about choosing that name and then more about what, you know, this, this service that you provide to people and helping them discover their cousins. Sure, sure. So the, the way the name kind of came about is really kind of, well, it was really kind of funny. I was actually at a family wedding um, a number of years ago, and this was a, a family wedding, and there were a lot of extended family yeah. there. I had just sort of started my genealogy journey. I was doing a lot of family interviews because I had a lot of elder, older generations down in that particular area. I was at this wedding, and I kept going, is she my cousin? Is he my cousin? Is he my I felt like that little children's book where the, the, the little duckling goes around, or I think it was a swan, um, going around going, are you, are you my mother? Yes, are yes. you my mother? Trying to find. And so that's exactly what I felt like. Cause I was going, are you my cousin? Are you yeah. my cousin? <laughs> and so that is how the name came it. up to be on I the block. Um, it was from that children's story. And so, and, and to be honest, the end of that story is pretty much everybody at that reception was, was your cousin. My cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and if they weren't my cousin, they had married uh, my cousin. Yeah. cousin so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was um, how that kind of came about. So I started the website actually a number of years ago, and it was strictly just a family blog. It was to be able to share yeah. my findings with my family uh, in one place. And lo and behold, I discovered that other people besides my mother was actually reading yeah, this. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, and then it started to grow and then people started to ask me how I was finding things. So other researchers were finding me and I just, it, so if you fast forward a number of years, now it is a blog where I try to teach. I try to give tutorials. I try to give inspiration, kind of help people think about strategies for their right. research so that they can move forward. Because we all, I don't care what level of research you're at or how long you've been researching, you tend to hit those stumbling right. blocks. And so I like to try to give people the tools or show people how to think around the tools, perhaps. So I do that through blog posts. I have a YouTube channel that I started so that I can do a little more. Some people prefer to get it, you know, watch it as opposed right. to read it. And so I try to do that as well to just offer that help out there for people 
who want to do it themselves, right. but need, but like you say, a coach or they need, need some, some help. instruction. I love it. So for right. sure, listeners, I'm going to put all of the links to Lisa, to these resources she's talking about, to the, to this, all this content she's created with you in mind, you know, with, with helping people in mind, I'm going to put that in the show notes for today's episode. Um, and of course, you know, I, I get all excited and into these conversations and I think, oh, we're already running a little short on time. But but Lisa, you when you approached me, you talked a lot about photos. And of course, my listeners, uh, many of them are scrapbookers and we've been, you know, doing the scrapbooking thing for many years. So I'd love now in these last few minutes for you to talk to me about photos. And you had a couple different things to share, like how you find out who has them and you know, how you use clues in photos. So just take me down the the photo path for a minute. Sure, sure. I absolutely love old family photos. I have a, I actually inherited a lot on my own through the family. And so it really kind of started me on this path of photographs and wanting, you know, this sounds terrible. I just wanted more and more and more of the family photographs. And a lot of folks will come to me when I talk about photographs and they're like, but Lisa, my family doesn't Uh have any. Um, or, you know, my, my family experienced a house fire and we no longer oh. have any, they just don't exist. And I'm like, are you sure they don't exist just because they didn't come down your side of the family mm-hmm. or because for whatever reason they were lost in a, in a natural disaster or something that doesn't mean that photographs didn't come down your cousin's side right. of the family. So I tell people reach out to those more distant mm-hmm. cousins and tell them what you're doing. You know, I know it's sometimes people are, are, are not comfortable reaching out to people. Maybe they don't know that well or what, but I kind of had to get over that for myself too, because that's really outside of my right. comfort zone. And I would tell them, I am really exploring the family history. I'm exploring the, the stories and I would love it. I'm looking for photographs that we could share back and forth. And so I try to share what I have as well. And then they're more likely to open up and share yeah. with me as well. But it's that getting outside of just my parents, my siblings, right. you know, my direct, my first cousins. It's getting out into those, you know, second, third level cousins that might have those photographs wow. with you that you might find yeah. as well. And then, of course, if you're doing research, your research, you're on, say, ancestry, you're on family search, and you're looking at those trees, you'll find other people who are researching the same family yeah. lines sure. often. Reach out to them. Reach out to those other researchers and say, "Hey, I'm researching this line too. Do you have?" It's a great way to share just genealogical mm-hmm. information, but it's also a way to say, "Do you have mm-hmm. photographs? Could we perhaps mm-hmm. share back and forth?" Yeah, and that, that's so, been my experience actually, just using Family Search for people that are already well documented. You know, because I can totally see mm-hmm. who also is interested in that line, and there's different ways that the that that family search specifically, and I'm sure this is true for the other big databases that you've talked about, but they make it very easy to connect, you know, with people that will be working on the same yes. line or interested. And so you, it's so easy to send them an email. And I have had multiple times, multiple times had people reply and go, Oh, I do have photos. I just haven't gotten around to scanning them yet. But now that you've asked, you know, and so I, it's mm-hmm. been so much fun to do that from the story side of things and from the photo side of things. So I definitely encourage people to do that. The other thing that I tell my students is if you have some of those beautiful old family photos, get them onto one of those, you know, sites and, and tag them because there will be people that are looking for, you know, you'll share these photos, you know, with other people. I like to look to the, um, the yearbooks, yes. many, many yearbooks are being digitized these days, and those are coming out 
So your books are great places. And I'll be honest, I like to get hold of the little church directories. Oftentimes these are going to be in a local library. Uh They might be in the vertical files or a local history section. Or in my case, my aunt had one on her bookshelf. She was a great aunt. And I said, oh, I discovered our ancestors, you know, were at this church. And she got up and she walked into the den. She pulled out. She came back with this little paperback (gasps) book. I mean, maybe 20 pages. I don't know. And she said, you mean this (gasps) church? And it was a directory. And I opened it up and I turned two pages in and there were photos. There was a photo of my great, great, great grandparents. Yes. I mean, I was like, she goes, well, who are those people? I'm like, they're your great grandparents. <laughs> They've been sitting on your bookshelf for years. No way. <laughs> so, so really getting into yeah. some of those very, you know, um, again, that was a family record or, or so, uh, a place of, of um, information within the mm-hmm. family. Um, but nobody had, nobody had really yeah, looked at things it. That you don't even think to look at. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Lisa, it's been so fun already. Um, is there anything else that you would love to share that I either haven't asked you the right question or, you know, you just want to to share with listeners before we kind of move on? I would say if you are getting into your genealogy research, if you're just starting, or if you've been at it for a while, your local library and the local librarians are going to be some of your best mm. friends. Um, oftentimes, some folks want to, they'll use family search, but maybe they want to try out an ancestry.com. Well, the library actually has some of these databases that are subscription based. They have them for their, their patrons oh. and their members. And it's a great way to try yeah. one out, like to try my ancestry out and then think, okay, maybe I do want this at home. This is, you know, or not, but they can also help you find things through interlibrary loan and they are a fabulous okay, resource. That's a fantastic, particularly tip. about local yeah, history. That's a fantastic tip. Oh, I love it. So they might actually be subscribed as a library for the purpose of being a resource. Mm-hmm. They might be subscribed to ancestry and you can go there and get started. Right. See, that's awesome. That's right. super good. Okay. So Towards the end now of my podcast, what I love to do is ask a couple of questions. So the first one I call people, places, and things. And I want you to tell my listeners about a person, a place, or a thing that has your attention right now. I tell you what really has my attention. And and you guys have to know I live and breathe genealogy. All day, every day, because not only do I do this, you know, as a, as, as a business, but I have my personal thing too. I am really super focused on women and the female ancestors. Ooh, I love it. That is something I've been really focused on lately and um, writing about and really looking for some very unusual sources. I'm trying to find a lot of the community, how women interacted in their community and the types of records that they created. So that's a lot of where my focus has been not only for my website and to teaching purposes, but to find my own brick wall of female ancestors that I'm struggling to find and trying to find evidence of them there. So that's something I'm I'm just super excited about. And I can, I can talk female ancestors all day long. That would be a whole nother (laughs) series of podcasts. I love it. Okay. So that makes me think though, real quick, when someone does go to your website, okay, I'm going to put a link in the show notes and they go there. Where is there a button that says start here? Like, what do you recommend someone who's brand new? How would they approach what you've created? Where do they start? You can actually start. I actually have a blog post for beginning for beginner genealogists and you can actually search for that. Yeah. Just in the search bar, you can put beginner genealogy and it will pop up for you and get you started. I love it. That's perfect. Okay. And then my final question, Lisa, for you today is I want you to fill in the blank. I have exactly enough time to. I have exactly enough time 
to run <gasps> pretty much every single day. Okay, well, I want to hear about that. Because I'm a You're runner. You're a runner. Well, I'm a runner. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love to run. I run because I simply love to run. And I started only about five years <gasps> ago. And I get the best ideas when I'm Isn't out there. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I actually have been mm-hmm. a runner most of my life until like about five years ago. Ah, and okay. I have some injuries that prevent me from running. And so now I have to be a walker, but man, I miss running. And it's so interesting. It's different than walking. And there are way more ideas mm-hmm. available to you when you run. <laughs> and I don't know why. I, aren't there though? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good for you. Good for you taking care of yourself. That's fantastic. Hey, I have absolutely loved this chance to visit with you and um, just appreciate your time and your expertise. And I'm going to send my listeners your way so they can get started. So thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I have really enjoyed talking with you. Do you know what I love about doing this podcast? One of the things I love about doing this podcast is meeting people. Aren't people fascinating? I love that there are so many different kinds of people in this world with so much expertise like Lisa. And I love that her passion is running. That is something I totally understand. So again, thank you to Lisa for coming on today and sharing what she knows. I already mentioned it, but I will put in the show notes at stacyjulian.com all of the links to her blog and other resources that will help you get started if you're interested in doing some genealogical research and adding that those verifying facts to the stories that you love to collect. Okay, you guys, episode 77, I'm going to answer some questions. I want you to send those questions to me. You can do that by visiting the show notes, of course, and leaving me a comment there. You can reach out to me on social media. I am at Stacy Julian, S-T-A-C-Y-J-U-L-I-A-N on Instagram. Uh, you can send me an email, stacy at stacyjulian.com. Of course, you can leave me a speak pipe message. And again, you go to stacyjulian.com, click into the show notes and look on the sidebar. It's a bright orange button and you just follow the instructions. You do what my friend Lorna did after she listened to the episode with Leatrice Eisman. Stacy, thank you so much for today's recording. Uh, of color with Leatrice Iceman. You have been my Leah. You have added the color to my life that wasn't there before. You have taught me so many things. I have been able to share with so many other people through scrapbooking, through my watercolor teaching, and even in my own home, although I'm in beige walls in an apartment, I have added all kinds of color to my walls in paintings, teals and oranges, pinks and even purples, which isn't a favorite of mine, blues and grays. I'm just awed by what you shared with me and so much of what you gathered was through Leah. So it's like a second generation and what I've shared with my students is a third generation. Bless us all for loving color, and wanting to share. Have a colorful day. Isn't that a fun comment to share with you after today's conversation? I talked with Lisa about generations of family and then Lorna hopped on and talked about how when we share what we know, we create generations of interest and connection. 
Okay, you guys, get out there and learn something new. Go find a cousin, paint a picture, have fun. Be sure to come back next week. I will be here with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. I am, of course, going to send Lorna her very own story starter kit from the story by Stacy line with Close to My Heart because that's what I do. When you send me a speak pipe message and I share it on an episode, you get your very own story starter kit so you can start telling your stories.